Roll Tide, everybody, and welcome to Bama Talk. I'm Steve Sample, along with engineer-producer Mark Phillips, and we hope you'll hang with us for the next half hour or so while we get set for the first set of Tigers on the Tide's 2012 itinerary. This particular species of cat doesn't quite have the claws of a Bayou Bengal or maybe even the East Alabama brand, but what it does have that those others definitely don't is a winning record against the Tide. There have only been three games in the series between the two teams, with Missouri currently counting two wins to Bama's one, and those two victories are, of course, considered among the greatest wins in Missouri history. But the thinking here is that the Tide's manpower is going to make for a misery index the Columbia Cats can't quite calculate, so by the time our boys board the plane back to Bama, we'll be 2-2 two and two with Mizzou. Now, while the Tigers haven't registered on our radar for a while, we have noticed they've fallen for the uniform fashion follies. After seeing that helmet they wore against Georgia, I guess it's easy to confuse class headgear with crack headgear, but hey, that's just me. So sartorial faux pas aside, I do want to shift gears for just a second and say that I hope our friends in Missouri that survived the tornado that devastated the Joplin area not long after the one that tore through Tuscaloosa are all doing well and finding peace in the aftermath of that mayhem. Fortunately, uh, the weather was safer than that on Bama's last visit to Columbia, which was on the second Saturday of the 78 season, sandwiched between a home opener against number 10 Nebraska and a big game in Birmingham with number 7 Southern Cal. The fans at Faroe Field were in a frenzy, what with Bama's national name, plus having the greatest coach in the game in the house. It was standing room only in the stadium that day. 74,000 squeezed into the stands under a clear sky with soaring temperatures, so the scene was sun-drenched and sweat-soaked from the start. Missouri had added to the heat of the moment by knocking off defending national champ Notre Dame the week before, and now, with the number one Crimson Tide in Columbia, the crowd was cranked and crazy. Bama got off to a good start, driving 71 yards behind a great offensive line on its first possession, with Major Ogilvy taking it in from 23 yards out. Another touchdown and a field goal put us up 17 to nothing. But Missouri had a long drive for a TD, a long run for another score, and a pick six. So all of a sudden, Missouri's got to mow and stealing the show. According to witnesses, Coach Bryant peeled the paint off the walls in the locker room at halftime. And it worked mainly, I suspect, because the prospect of losing the game wasn't as bad as the next week's practices promised to be. But Mama got their mojo back and held Missouri on the first possession of the second half. EJ Jr. broke through to block the punt, then Ricky Gilliland grabbed it and galloped into the end zone, taking the lead back and the crowd out of the game. Bama's defense played a great second half with Marty Lines making 17 tackles and the O-line knocking the felines off the ball the rest of the day to lead the way. That 78 bunch ended the season by beating Penn State in the Sugar Bowl where they made what may be the most famous play in Alabama football history, the goal line stand. That game fell right in the middle of one of Alabama's greatest runs because the 77 team went 11-1 and and missed out on another national championship when voters leapfrogged number 5 Notre Dame, a team that lost to the same Ole Miss team Bama had beaten badly in Birmingham, and then the 79 team went 12-0. and So those three Alabama teams went 34-2, and won two national championships, three bowl games, and three SEC titles. When those guys wore the jersey, they were dressed for success. 
Our guest today played a key part on those teams because he was part of an offensive line that pushed an awful lot of people around, and he was picked by the Packers in the seventh round of the 1980 NFL Draft. After Stanton Green Bay, he went on to make the All-League team in each of his three seasons with the Birmingham Stallions of the USFL, where he became the most decorated guard in the history of that league. Then he closed out his playing career with the Pittsburgh Steelers in 1987. Buddy Adelette, it's great to get to talk to you. Tell us what you're doing these days. Well, thank you, Steve. I appreciate you having me here. It was interesting listening to to, to your intro there, uh, and, and we'll talk obviously specifically about this game, but uh, uh, that has a fond memory. That being said, since uh, finishing playing ball, I have uh, settled down here in Birmingham. My wife and I, we, we live out in Trustville. Uh, we raised both our girls there. They went to uh, Hewitt Trustville High School, and uh, they're both married and have children. One lives locally, one in Mobile, my hometown. I've been working at uh, St. Vincent's in the foundation office. Uh, I actually been working uh, in, in, in a couple of different capacities for the company uh, for the last 18 years. Yeah. So that's what uh, I've been doing to, to earn a living. Uh, I also uh, obviously live there in Trustful. I've been on the city council for the last uh, two terms. Uh, I'm concluding that right now. Didn't didn't seek a third term. Uh, there's other things out there to do, so I'll 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 stay involved. Um, we have just made our home uh, in, in here in Birmingham and in in, in specifically the Trustful area, and uh, uh, have, have enjoyed it uh, immensely. Well, Birmingham's the better off for it. That, that's yeah. super. So you're a grandparent now. We have three grandchildren, uh, two boys and a girl. Well, I'll tell you what, buddy, I got more things wrong with me than a, a federal tax code, but you look like you could still play. You know, most guys that played as long as you did are pretty beat up. How are you holding up? Well, knocking on wood, um, pretty good. Um, you know, I, I played through college in, in seven seasons uh, professionally. I've had three knee surgeries, wow. uh, all on this left knee, but I've had good work done, I guess. Uh, and I'll thank uh, Bill and Jackie, my parents, uh, for some good genes. And uh, and and right now, feel good. You know, continue to uh, actually in my in my middle age here, I've I've started running and 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 whatnot. To found that I, I enjoy that. So uh, as long as I can, I'll I'll continue to do that. Oh, that's Superman. You know, you don't talk to guys our age, especially guys that played and played that long. Yeah that are talking about jogging and doing anything that it involves wear and tear on those knees. That's super. You know, that 78 Missouri game we were just talking about was a tough one on the road, you know, against a very fired up Tiger team. And there were those drastic momentum changes in that game. It was, it was really back and forth. What went down in that locker room at the half that, that kind of instigated all that, that turnaround in the second half? Well, I mean, obviously we got off to a, to a good start, yeah. uh, and and there was a, a, a huge momentum change in the second quarter um, when we were leading seventeen to, to nothing. And as as you did in the intro, they scored two quick touchdowns, and and then, you know, right towards the end of the half, we, we threw an interception, and it was on the left side. Coach Bryant probably should have gotten on to me because I, I think I missed the tackle going down that side. Uh, the interception, not not my guy. But at halftime, yeah, Coach Bryant was fired up because he he knew that. You know, we just had a mental lapse at that point. And so uh, most of his uh, uh, remarks were, were towards the defense and, and said, you know, we just have to stop them. We're, we're moving the ball and we'll continue to do this. You know, we just have to take care of what we need to take care of and not worry about the opponent. Actually, special teams really, you know, is the one that got us to lift in the second half to get started. You know, it's funny what you're just saying sounds so much like Coach Saban. Let's worry about us. Let's talk about what we do, how we play. Uh, and not worrying really about who's who's on the other side of the ball, who's who the opponent is, taking care of our business and those kind of things. And it's and it's really great 
to see these similarities because we're going through a period of success right now that's very much like the ones you guys had. What are what are some of the more memorable moments you can recall over those years you played at Bama about halftime talks? Because, I mean, you you got to do halftime talks with the greatest coach of all time as far as I'm concerned, and, and those some of those talks are kind of famous. I think the one that stands out the most – to me, I mean, most of the times you're you're just making adjustments. We X's had we we had good coaches. I mean, I, I always say that Coach Brian always wanted to surround himself with with good coaches, and 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 they were in there making the adjustments and, and talking about the X and O's, and and, and Coach Bryant would give his his remarks to the, to the entire squad. You know, defense would be over here, offense over here, and do your do your adjustments and all that. The one that sticks out in my mind and kind of my era there was uh, the halftime against Tennessee when we fell behind 17. 79. 17 and we scored right before half to make it 17-7 and uh and we we thought we were in for the tongue lashing and, and whatnot but it was not the case coach Bryant came in and and said you know we've got we've got them right where they want them they think they're they're going to win this game you know we, we, we've just scored last five minutes of the first half and, and actually that was a play uh that we had put in specifically and and it worked like a charm which was a tight end you know down the middle uh seam it seemed like it was a, a long ways it was probably 35 30 35 yards but it was a uh to score right before the half and again coach Bryant just said now the defense is going to hold them offense i think we'd probably turn the ball over with you know with with our ball handling two or three times in that in that first half he said offense not going to turn it over anymore we're going to do what we need to do the exact same thing you know if we play what how we can play you know it'll be fine you know and, and, and sure enough and and in the second half was just a different you know game i was at that game it was a beautiful day uh, one of those glorious fall afternoons yeah. the third saturday in october uh, uh, it was very. It was sunny. It was bright. It was just one of those Norman Rockwell cover of yeah. Sports Illustrated kind of days. And yeah. there was something about those Tennessee games at Legion Field that was really special. Uh, and I love playing them at Bryant Denny and having yeah. it on campus. But those those games at Legion Field were had a had a chemistry and kind of a feel all their own. If you played at Legion Field, most of the time it was a big game. Yep. You know, if you're going off campus and, you know, you're, you're you know, because it would hold more people and whatnot. And, you know, I, I even consider the first game I ever got to play in the old, an Ole Miss game at Legion Field. It was, it was, it was so exciting. You know, my, my first opportunity that I knew I was going to get in the game. I was going to play. Yeah. This was the 77 and, and, uh, and it was a night game against Ole Miss and uh, you're just so excited. Uh, I'd actually dressed out one other time previously, the, my red shirt year. So I kind of knew the, you know, what was going to happen and been in the locker room. First time you're on the bus and you're, you're going to get in the game, you're on all the special teams, you're going to cover the punts and kickoffs and, and, and make a tackle and contribute and, and whatnot. Uh, uh, it was pretty special. And Legion Field was. I mean, even the Alabama-Auburn game was special with the, the, the split crowd and, oh, and yeah. everything. Yeah. Um, I do have to admit, I, I enjoy going to campus. Me too. I, I, I enjoy going on, on campus now. The, the the atmosphere that's been created down there is, 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 you know, and – and, and when you think as a player, you know, I mean, I enjoy this and kind of in all of it sometimes myself. And this, this is cool. And you think everybody gets to enjoy this. This is, this is where, like it is everywhere, but it's not. And, yeah. and, and it wasn't in the 70s either. I mean, our, you know, we just had the bowl, you know, and, and, and a smaller stadium. But I know the Alabama fans, you know, so supported us. And, 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 and as you mentioned earlier, it's a very similar uh, time in our in our history. The seventies were wonderful for Alabama well, football. It's the national team of the and, decade, and and Alabama's on a roll right now that is very similar. And uh, um, you know there were those who said that'll never happen again. Well, here we are, and that's special. And and you think you know 
other schools, this is what it's like, but it's it's not. I mean, and Coach Bryant always used the word kind of special. You know, you're special because you're, you're not, here. You're, you're special because students. you're 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 special because you're wearing that that uh, jersey, that uniform. You're you're special because you're here and you're representing your family and friends, your hometown, and all that. You thought everybody was doing that, but it it's obvious they weren't. You know, I, I've seen games even just this season on TV. There weren't enough people in the stands to start a fight. You yeah. know, you got a feel for the guys that play on those teams. Uh, and another thing you were talking about just a minute ago reminds me, you know, there are so few things that Alabama teams haven't accomplished over the years. But one of the things this team has managed to do uh, that nobody's ever done at Alabama yeah. is we're 5-0 and five years in a row. It's yeah, the first yeah. time we've ever made it to 5-0, and five years in a row. Well, in Missouri, it was one of those stumbling blocks right out of my freshman there. year in 75. And, I mean, that was the first game you know, that, you know, as a freshman. And, and I remember going to the game and all excited and, and just knew we were going to win that ball game. I and then there. you say, oh, my goodness. You know? It was a night game. Missouri <laughs> came out with Tony Galbraith at running back, weighed about 220 pounds. And it was not pretty that night. Well, it wasn't pretty, and 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 they scored enough points. I guess it was twenty to seven was That's the score exactly. of that game. And 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 of course the our, our wishbone attack, you know, supposed to run up and down the field and score points. And and they basically played a, a goal line defense the whole game. And we just no really caps. we just really never never adjusted to it. Well, they called it a gap eight back then. Everything everybody's in a gap, penetrating, and, and it really made ball handling tough. You know, you spent I guess all of four years playing in a four-point stance. you got both hands on the ground, uh, got your shoulders down, firing off the ball. Then you had a successful career as a pro in a three-point stance, which is a totally different techniques. You don't see many college linemen that played in an option attack make the transition very successfully very often to play an O-line in the NFL. How, how hard was it making that transition? It was difficult. I, I mean, honestly, I, I struggled. I mean, my my, my, my rookie year at Green Bay, uh, again, adjusting to a drop back uh, game was, uh, it, it was just foreign. It, it was foreign. You're, you're you're learning you're learning a whole whole new language. You know when you think of and Alabama was so different the way we called things. You know our defenses when we looked out at a defense it was a an eighty a ninety a seventy five and that was just as as opposed to a regular four three three four over unders and and things like that, which is kind of the norm or or the normal uh, way of looking at it and just based on what you see you have. So you're three linemen and, and four linebackers and all that. You know, it was just based on where they lined up and all that. Bottom line is, you know, uh, we had not practiced a lot of drop back passing and all that. And, uh, I, you know, ultimately uh, I really made the team up there because of a special teams uh, abilities and, and whatnot. And you mentioned some of the coaches and, and Coach Goosetree was 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 one who, who uh, at Alabama, I did not do any deep snapping or anything like that. I'd been drafted at Green Bay and was working out and went out to spring practice and Coach Goosetree says, buddy, you to get a ball and get over there and snap some. I was the snapper opening of, of that 80 season in Green Bay. I didn't know that. No, and a lot of people don't. And and now, I mean, it helped. And, then, you know, they drafted me. And they, we actually drafted four four linemen that year. So they were wanting to, to rebuild a line and we're going to have some patience and whatnot. Yeah. But, no, I was I was a special teams guy. And, and uh, you know, I went back and told Coach Goosetree that, you know. And, and uh, that was a very special. He was in his office one day looking at some plans and whatnot. And, I sat down and told him that story. I said, you know, I don't know if you remember, or you just tell that to everybody. He says, you're wasting time out here watching these boys. You need to get over there. Well, I did it, and, and Coach, it, it paid off. Put some taters on the table. It sure has. There so. you go. Uh, the uh, 
people like to talk about how the speed of the game's increased over the years, and, and obviously it is fast on the perimeter. you got skilled people that, that are just a blur that can fly. But, you know, when you look at film of Alabama when you guys were playing, even the 60s, even, some, even in the 80s, uh, when you look at Texas, Oklahoma, people that were running an option attack out of a four-point stance and firing off the ball, uh, the game on the line of scrimmage back then was much faster. I, I mean, when you guys came off the ball in the wishbone, the line of scrimmage moved about a yard and a half by the time the quarterback was into that first read. Does it ever strike you as odd or just sort of oblivious that to hear so many people that supposedly know what they're talking about talking about how the speed of the game has increased so much? Well, they talk about the speed of the game, and I really think they're talking about defense, you know, so so, so many times. Okay. I mean, because I think you've had, you know, the speed back, speed fast guys on, on as wide outs and, and, and whatnot. But but defense is, you know, guys are getting bigger, stronger, and faster is, is what, what you hear. You know, because I, I agree with you there. I don't think that, that the guys have gotten bigger, stronger, and faster. Uh, necessarily, well, they're getting bigger and stronger. I'll put it that way. Uh, as as far as the offensive line or something like that, you know, they're they're quick and they can run. And they're big guys. Now, and again, we were geared to run. We were geared to come straight off. You know, you you can't play. You have to have a balanced stance now to to do the things that they want to do. Um, and, and I I look at them too. I, I'll watch football today and I, I'll see the stance and and I'll try to read. You know, in the first game, you know, what, what, uh, Western Kentucky said we were reading some of the stances and all this stuff. You, you look at that and you think about it. You know, uh, kind of uh, self scout and, and and things like that and and try to figure out. You know, mm, can you tell? And it's difficult. And and even even when I went professional, you know, on the professional level. And I went to left tackle. Uh, you know, I'd played some some right, yep. and, and I was in a right-handed stance. I'm right-hand dominant, and they wanted you to put that left hand down. I hated that. I, I just I felt all off balance and everything, and and it, I would I would switch it up. I'd put my right hand down some, my left hand down some, and, and, and to help me adjust. It drove the coaches crazy, but it, it worked for me, and I didn't didn't feel like people were getting a, a read. So well, and playing left tackle in the NFL, you're you're going up against and trying to block outside or ends and outside yeah. backers that are great athletes, power forward types that are big, but they can run. And, and that's why they want they that's why they want you in that left handed stance with your your left foot back because that 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 well it gets you back off the ball, especially for the pass part of it you want to get back and get set and, and like it or not we 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 adjust off what the defense does you know you try to take away the best move and and then and then adjust that's that's what you do so you know in the three years you lettered we we played regular season road games at nebraska southern cal missouri washington not to yeah. mention all our conference rivals and it seems like we always get their best effort you know we go on these yeah. road games and the crowds in a frenzy they're foaming at the mouth you know like south carolina a couple of weeks uh, a couple of years ago yeah. you know they need to be doing a saliva test on those people you know it had to be an awesome experience to roll into town on those team buses get treated like rock stars and of course the media was all open always all over coach Bryant what was it like taking those road trips back then I always like to go still do uh, even professionally I, I love playing on the road I mean that sounds kind of weird and I always always want to say weird but but winning on the road is the best I mean the ride home the plane and and you're, you're right there with all your teammates you know it, it's just terrific and, and and on the professional level it's it, it's it's wonderful it's, it's a great atmosphere so I always kind of like taking road trips and 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 road trips a road trip you're going there to play ball and come back you're not I've been you to don't a lot go of visit I, the aquarium exactly I've been to if people say you know 
oh, you've been there to San Francisco? I said, yeah, but, you know, kind of seen the stadium in a hotel and stuff like that. But, uh, again, going on the road, the coaches know that you kinda, you're kind of you out of your element, so they try to keep things as, as, as normal as they can in, in the setting on, on having your pregame, your meetings and pregame meals and, and things like that, leaving at the same time uh, that you would do for a home game. But again, it, it, it's just, it, it is just different, you know, now we stayed in the hotel for home games too. We didn't stay in Bryant yep. Hall. So mm-hmm. we, you know, that part of the, of, of the routine is, is, it was always the same. You know, I, I, speaking of that old Miss game, that first game in 77, I, I was at the game. I'm going to go back to that. That was the first game of the season. We beat them 34 to 13, beat them like a redheaded stepchild. Then we lost by seven. At Nebraska, threw five interceptions that yep. day. Just had a just had kind of a bad day with turnovers, but it was a good team. Uh, we won the rest of our games. Put a thirty-five to six whipping on Ohio State in the Sugar Bowl. We're ranked number three going into the bowl game. Notre Dame, who lost to Ole Miss in Jackson that year, went into their bowl ranked number five. They won against Texas in the Cotton Bowl, and the pollsters pushed them past us and gave them the national championship. Uh, I'm I'm still kind of steamed over that one. That had to have been a hard pill to swallow. Well, it was heartbreaking from the standpoint of of if you just look at it and common sense says one and two lost three played a very good game and, and that was a year that everybody beat everybody bad though. There were no uh, undefeateds. Well, I'm just talking about in the bowl games, the mm-hmm. matchups. I mean, Notre Dame went to Texas, who was one, and they pounded them just about like we beat. Yeah. You know, uh, and and so so the, yeah the, yeah it was very disappointing because you think that this is what's going to happen. And they, and, won, and, and they and, lost and, later in the year to a team we had beaten, and they yeah. jumped – we were number three yeah. and they were number five. That was a pretty unusual set of circumstances. Now, of course, those kind of things happen. We've been yeah. on the good side and the bad side of it. We but, have. And, 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 again, those things are kind of out of your control. It, it's another one of those you, – you'd think if you'd, you'd lost early in the season that that was going to be better than, than losing late in the season. You know, that's, that's what everybody says now. You know, if you're going to schedule a hard game do it early right and 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 because you can recover from it just depending on where you start you know so it, it was the way it was back then and and so uh you had the 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 ap and the and the uh upi, the UPI and 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 there are times when it's going to be split and i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing uh there's a lot of guys you know playing ball and 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 if it's a split you know you're still national champs yeah yeah 14 times you know you played in the 78 sugar bowl uh, the 78 yeah. Sugar Bowl went over Penn State, a game that was you know just about as hard fought as anybody I'd ever seen at the time. You had two great teams, two Mount Rushmore coaches, a Bama defense that was tough as a $2 stake. Did you have any idea at the time that goal line stand would wind up being one of the most famous plays, not just in Alabama history, but in the history of all college football? At the time, no. Um, but what ultimately the the outcome, you know, w- w- was going to stamp it as as, as something special and and uh, and monumental in in college uh, uh, football. You know, you talk about polls and things like that. Again, that was one and two. I mean, that's an easy. You win this one, you're national champs. But that's the year we split. You know, that's 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 the year that we we were one in AP and and uh, Southern Cal was number one in in the, in the coaches poll. It doesn't diminish, you know, in my mind, you know, the you know uh, e- either of those. So, you know, while you were playing, we never lost to Tennessee or Auburn, our nope. two greatest regional rivalries. Tell us about playing in those games. 
Well, I mean, uh, well, Coach Bryant's you know message was always it's a big game because it's the next game. There you but go. but you know there obviously there there are games you know out of conference ranked, and then there's 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 SEC games. And uh, um, you don't want to to, to lose in, in the conference uh, again because the way it was it was set up then when you played, if you did not win outright the conference and it was a tie, the last one to go, the other one went to the Sugar Bowl and that was your best chance, you know, for a national championship. So there were there was a lot always riding on those games. And uh, when you go to Alabama, you want to play in the big games. Uh, uh, you want to play in the best conference. We always thought it was. Uh, uh, everybody's going to have that argument, you know, uh, forever and ever. Amen. Everybody thinks their conference is the best, and that's okay. But but again, SEC brings out. I mean, they're all different from that standpoint. You know, uh, whether it be you know you brought up Mississippi State a little bit ago. Mississippi State didn't particularly have great teams back then but they're always the toughest they had the biggest guys that you were going against their defense were were, were always huge and, and they played a, a four-man front and and so all your line was covered more people started doing that because we had dwight at center and, and they didn't want to waste somebody on him but uh, uh i mean that's literally fascinating to watch a team change their defense because you have such a dominating uh player at at, at, at center that in tennessee you know because of, of coach goose tree and uh, coach donahue and, and their infinity auburn you know your your rival uh you know we didn't play georgia they were the one rotating off our schedule um uh, but we played them a couple of times when I when I was in, in school, uh, my redshirt year, and then 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 actually uh, my sophomore year, and it's interesting, you know, people always forget history. They they live in the now, you know, because some of the teams that that are dominant, wonderful, you know, strong teams right now in the conference and in the nation. We're not back then. You know, Florida was a, a doormat back then. Miami, you know, was on our schedule. and, and home for homecoming. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, um, Miami, Virginia Tech, I'm trying to think of the, the other schools. Florida State, you know, just they've improved. You know, I mean, 35 years, you you have a chance sure. to improve. Anyway, that's uh, I hope that answered your question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, what, when you go to a game now, as, as, as somebody that played as – an alumnus as a former Crimson Tide yeah. player and somebody that played as a professional. Yeah. When you watch Bama now, how do you watch the game? What do you look for? What are the things you notice? What are the things that sort of stand out to you, especially about the way this team's playing these days? I like to have the radio on, you know, because I, I read and keep up like anybody else. And, and, and I don't have any special insight into what's going on with the squad and, you know, who's not feeling well that week. And, and, and you know, everybody thinks they have the inside. I don't. And so, so I like to, to listen to Eli. So, so he really describes the, the action. But I'm watching, I'm watching the interior. I, I want to see, and, and, and I have my tic- tickets with Vince Booth, my, my best buddy. He was our right guard, you know, on, on this team. And, uh, and we sit there and we would say, did you see, you know, the, the center pulled? I can't believe he just pulled around, you know, or left and watch, watch, you know, in the lines because that's where the games are, are won and lost. And so I, I, I count on on uh, Eli to to keep me informed on, what, on what's going on, and 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 then then I, I kind of watch that. You know, frankly, my wife kind of says, you know, I'll find somebody to talk to because <laughs> you're not going to do it during the game. <laughs> You know, I'm I'm the same way. Yeah. I've got to have the radio broadcast yeah. because there's so much information you can get, and they they can give you stuff that you can't get just sitting there in the stands, uh, and it does sort of isolate you so you can focus on the game. Because once the game starts, that's what I'm, I want to see every play. I don't want to miss anything. 
uh, you know, so I, I, I yeah. exactly, know exactly what you're saying. You know, we've heard a lot about Barrett Jones. Uh, he's playing center this year. He's been a guard. He played tackle last year. And you hear about his versatility and how, how difficult it is uh, to have played and played well all three positions on the interior line. It's, it's, what would it, I, is that why there's so few people that ever do it? Well, you're going to be a special person, number one, to to do that. Um, I, I think Barrett probably had a, a very good grasp of uh, of what was going on on the entire line. When he was playing guard, he knew what the tackle was, was doing. That was his first position. So he knew what was going on to his right, and he knew what was going on to his left with the center. And so, uh, again, uh, we understand that, that he's a student of the game, so so he knows you know what's going on. And obviously he has talent. So when they asked him to move out to tackle, uh, he, he knew what to do uh, and, and could execute that. And then, uh, uh, then obviously when this year when they've asked him to, to move to center to, to make the calls. And, you know, because it's interesting, you know, when, when we played, we didn't really have somebody. I mean, we're like everybody else in the wishbone. You're counting one, two, three, four, who blocks who and all that. But there's nobody calling it out. Everybody was reading that, you know, if, if they're stacked, you know, it's a zero over the center, it's one back there, one, two, three, four. This is the read guy, and you got to know who to do and stuff like that. So uh, everybody knew, knew, you know, now you made some some calls on some, you know, if somebody's in a gap and you wanted to block down and change positions and things like that. But uh, it was more that communication. But obviously, you know, they, they count on his, and, and, and on the passing. That's how unsophisticated our passing was. You know, what you're designating is, this is number five over here. The five of us have this guy, and that's what they're pointing out. And, and they all want to be on the same spe- – you know, so the quarterback says, all right, this guy's hot over here. If he comes, he's mine, or if he has a tight end or the back has him, something like that. So that, that's what they're they're discussing there. But Barrett, you know, obviously is a, is, is a great player. I was – I don't know him. I've never met him or anything like that. But I, I was not shocked at all when he came back for this year. And, uh, and, and, and I guess the, the main reason he said he wanted to play with his brother – you know, and and which which, you know, I, I find that really cool that you'd come back and do that. Yes, and he's got a, another brother that's going to be on the team right, next year. Right, being recruited this year. Yeah, that's yeah. It. buddy, I, we're just about to head into the two minute drill here. All right. So I wanted to uh, thank you for taking time to to come by and spend some time with us. I've just had a ball listening well, to you, you talk about all that. I, I wish we had another half hour. If somebody wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way to reach you? Well, to get in, my email is tide78 at aol.com. That's great. Uh, tide uh, and, and then my, my old number. And uh, uh, if you want to, uh, we're in the phone book. Before we get out of here today, we want to encourage you to support the Million Dollar Band Alumni Association. Andy Green and his group did a great job with the centennial celebration at the FAU game with right at 500 alumni playing along with the Million Dollar Band at halftime. Check it out and help them out at uamdba.org. We're having a ball bringing you guys Bama Talk Show, and we hope that if you enjoy the show, you'll tell your friends about us. And if you don't enjoy it, tell people you don't like about it. Either way. They can find us in the podcast section of iTunes, and we're also on Stitcher now. And speaking of Stitcher, you may want to vote online for the 2012 Stitcher Awards. You can also access Bama Talk 
on the web at bigbrainsmedia.com. And don't forget to visit our Bama Talk Facebook page. If you'd like to drop me an email, send it to steve at bamatalkshow.com. We're going to be talking about the trip to Tennessee on the next edition of Bama Talk. And you don't want to miss us here in cracking on the coonskin cap crowd. So remember to hit that subscribe button that makes saving every show easy, free, and automatic. Well, it's time to head for the locker room. So until next time, take care. Have a blessed day and roll tide.